This is TV8 My Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. What's the show about? It's about nothing. No story? No, forget the story. You gotta have a story. Who says you gotta have a story? It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. This should be the show. This is the show. What? This. Just talk. I think you may have something here. You're listening to TV Ate My Dinner. My name is Sean, and I'm sitting here with Greg, and Lynn is back with us again. G'day. Why? Nice. Whatever that means. I don't know. I just, that's the worst tweet. Brooks is not never, here because I ate him. Never have good <laughs> openings. Brains. And really what's sad is it'll be so long since he's on a show <laughs> that people will begin to wonder. Because we actually do have an upcoming Epocalypse episode. I know, I want to hear that one. Part of, but it's yeah, that sounds recorded. interesting. Time travel. That's a good shift of, of conversation. So anyway, time travel. <laughs> I was, I was about to say before we started recording. Immediately. Random topic. Oh, well. Okay. Go no, ahead. Go ahead, I'm Greg. doing McLaughlin group. Right, time right. travel for or against? <laughs> I'm against it, actually. Uh, but um, Trick question. We all do it all the time. No, I was uh, on the TV Guide channel here in the States. Um they have the show the 25 sexiest sci-fi women right mm-hmm. and Aaron i couldn't gray see why you'd have a problem with number that 17 i do have a problem with it because Aaron gray is number 17 she plays. oh that's your problem but that's if the that's special just so were done wrong. in 1982 she'd be number one no Aaron gray's like you know she's like tops who's Aaron gray I'm doubting you well who but hmm. name some of the others for us then Let's hear. Uh, when you the, okay. when you contrast against the others, that you start wondering. Well, Jessica Alba. Um, is she a sci? I know she's, she's in sci-fi fi stuff, but I mean, I know she's in Fantastic Four oh, and Fantastic all that business Four. and that Jim, Jim Cameron show, but still, she does, does she wear very, 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 very tight suit well, in that. Well, just okay, just to give well, you an and idea. And she is hot, but I'm just saying her general hotness really overshadows her sci-fi hotness. Yeah, it's true. She's a bit too mainstream, I think. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think she should get to place. Everybody's done a sci-fi every now and then. That doesn't make you a sci-fi vixen. Well, she's ahead of of Aaron Gray, the sci-fi queen. Okay. Well, name us some others. Okay. Well, the okay, the blonde girl from Heroes. Uh, what's her name? Um, Christian. Which something. blonde girl? Ali Larder or the other one? Ali Larder. That's her. Oh, it is Ali Larder. I she's number five. Oh, what? Again, she's only in Heroes. Does she count as a sci-fi? Uh, she's in the... What's other sci-fi something? I mean, she's been in horror movies, but, I mean, I don't know. Does she count as a sci-fi vixen? Yeah, she's more of a horror movie. I always see horror movies with her in them, and I put them down because I don't like her. Yeah, like the Final Destination movies. She's in those. So, Well, I guess, I mean, she's definitely a genre actress. She's been in, you know, like, so the Final Destination It sounds stuff. like it's lucky that they even remembered to put Aaron Gray in the list. They're, they're not thinking very far back at all. Well, they're just... Yeah, they just got it all wrong. And they haven't even, they're not even giving any any props to Princess Ardala at all. No, she's not even on the list, I don't think. I mean, she didn't have a lot going on up top, but she overcompensated with the, you know, with the appropriate <laughs> wardrobe. It was in the attitude. Well, who else? 
Okay, well, the girl from Lost. I don't know these people's names. Um, it's just it's just one show she's in, the, the, and it's vaguely. It's not even sci-fi, really. She's number three. Well, but the main girl from Lost, the one with the rabbit teeth. Uh, I don't Freckles. Know. Uh, well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, the dark yeah, hair. She's cute. Don't get me wrong. She's a good-looking girl. I'm just trying to make the distinction. There's lots of find, girls in Lost. I'm trying to find, and the they're actual, all pretty. I'm trying to find the actual list here. Talk amongst yourselves while I'm doing. Oh yeah, that. you're blowing this for us. Hang on. Well, besides Aaron Gray, who 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 would we have picked on the list? Rachel Nichols, who played the Orion slave girl in the new Star Trek film. She's not in it. I don't think she I is. know, but but she could be. <laughs> well, she she goes green. Well, I, I think that's enough your, to um, I know pick she'd be you on your list. Yeah. <laughs> she she goes green, and that's enough. That's exactly what I like to hear. She's also been in horror movies, though. She's also a horror chick. Speaking of chicks who went green, think of of uh, Yvonne Gre- Craig, who played the original Batgirl in the Batman show, also went green as a psycho Orion slave girl in the Star Trek show. Very hot lady. Someone should pay some props there. Not on the list. I'm sure. Because they're not old, as old as me. I'm surprised they remembered Aaron Gray, to be honest with you. I mean, you should be glad she plays. Well, I mean, if they had forgot Aaron Gray, I'd have just slapped him. Oh, well, they haven't so far named any chicks that I think are actual sci-fi. Well, I'm trying to find the actual list. They could list Angelina Jolie, although I'm sick of her. She she's, has done a lot of genre on, stuff. As a matter of fact, I think she's number one. I don't oh, think no. she's number one, but I could see how she would qualify for the list. She does a lot of stuff. You know who's tops in my book for a genre? Mila. Mila Jovovich. Did you see what I put on the genre forum? genre stuff. And the versus, I thought what? we should do a, a versus, uh, Mila versus Angelina. Oh, Mila would win. You Have you seen The Fifth Element? Yeah, yeah. Supreme Being. I, I don't think she's... I Multipass. Mean, I'd put her on the list, but... I'd... That's, all you, that's all you have to say. Multipass. Multipass. Chicken good. <laughs> yeah, out the wash. I mean, come on, just... I put her on she's the list. But I don't, in that don't think she's particularly good looking. She wouldn't win in the articulate you don't like state. Mila? She's good. She's petite. I'll give you that. But for a petite girl, like she carries it. Plus, extremely pretty face. She's done a lot more movies too. Like she's done the ultraviolet one and. Yeah, she does a lot Resident of cool sci-fi action. She. Yeah, I mean, you got to give her Resident Evil, whether or not you like the movies. Is that sci-fi? You have to give her fifth. Well, it's yeah, horror sci-fi. It's not really horror. It has to, it's something. It's not really they're just scary. action movies with zombies in them. Yeah, it's it's cl- closer to sci-fi than it is to horror, <laughs> as zombie movies go. I mean, they're like making mutant zombie things, and, the, and she's like some super cloned experiment thing. It's it's more sci-fi than horror. Plus, the Fifth Element, man. And I didn't like yeah, Ultraviolet, but that as far as just giving her chops as a genre action hero that's got to give her something was she on that list no i don't Mila, I, I now don't, that is i don't think Mila has been on, in a I'm bunch of stuff like she should have been on that list is helena bonham carter on the list just for being in all of tim burton's movies uh let's not put her on the list i'm just asking she's not that if hot, she's though. on it she's well, she's not hot she's a bit strange oh, looking she's not hot yeah but like, i wouldn't call her hot she's a girl that becomes hot because of her oddity that may just be me. <laughs> you know, when you're the weird chick at school, you're just like, oh, she's a freak. And strangely, also in a Frankenstein. She is in a Frankenstein film. 
but we haven't gotten to it yet, but we will be talking about Frankenstein tonight. Helena Bonham Carter topic. is in every period film ever made. So, of course, she was in a All the ones that Keira Knightley aren't in. Oh, really? Well, all the ones where they needed more a more voluptuous woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I can't find it. Damn it. Well, that's it. <laughs> that's so what a great topic for us to speak about then. We opened with that, and you—I mean—we need some contrast here. Well, Greg. I'm work. I know it sucks, man. I'm trying. Oh Lord, it's on TV, well, and so who are some other good ones that we we should mention? Let me guess some of the people. I bet you they said Jerry Ryan from Voyager. Yes, they did say that because she was also in Dark Skies, which was another sci-fi show, and I think she was in another sci-fi something. Mm. I bet you they said Jolene Blaylock from Enterprise. Just because she was another leotard no, chick. Oh, I don't believe they did. Although hot, she was only in that one show. Uh, what about the girl that played the Terminator in Terminator 3? She's in a bunch of sci-fi schlock. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's in heaps of stuff. She was in Blood Rain. Okay. She was yeah. in that Dark Kingdom sci-fi movie. Number two. She's like she a, was also. <laughs> number two is I think she was also in uh, one of those fantasy movies. Number two is number six from Battlestar Galactica, whatever her name is. Well, no doubt. I should have thought of her because she's – think of every sci-fi show that had a, a gratuitous hot chick, and that hot chick is probably part of this list. That's why most sci-fi shows are are impossible to watch. Well, who were the good ones? Think back. Like, well, uh, What's your definition of a, of a sci-fi chick? How many shows does she have to be on? I know Eliza Dushku was on the list. Eliza Dushku should be on the list. Yeah. Well, I would think that she should be on at least one, but preferably two television series and one or two actual genre films. That's why I can see where Jessica Alba would place, because she's been in comic book films more than one, and she was on a TV show that was a sci-fi show. But still, she's a mainstream actress, and that's how she's known. I think you should have to be known as a genre actress to count. What about any of the girls from Fly Fly? They're all gorgeous. Uh, yeah, I'd... except they hardly ever appear in anything else. This Inara girl, she's she's in the new V, which I would like to talk about a little bit. Yeah, but... Marina Bakran, I believe that's her name. Yeah, that's her real name. Inara, that's what I <laughs> what say. About, what about Jewel, who played Kaylee? She's in Stargate, isn't she? She Jewel was State? in that Stargate yeah, Atlanta not, show She wouldn't be considered like the sexiest. But she was only in that Even show because of... Even though I think she's of, very attractive. She I, I like... Oh, she's, I think she's, she's, she's more cute than sexy. Yeah. Yeah, she is cute. And and she's fun, but she really only got cast in Stargate because she was on that other show. Of course, I guess uh, Marina Baccarin only got cast because she was on Firefly. Also, they're known. I'm trying to think if the Stargate shows had any girls that I would. Well, Amanda Tapping is probably the most famous. She's very beautiful. Don't get me wrong, well, she's but not I went like Bombshell. Yeah, yeah. She's the girl you'd actually want to end up with because she's beautiful, but it's not like that ridiculous kind of. Actually, fake. my my bad. Number three was. The girl who played number six. Uh, but Jerry Ryan is number two. Jerry Ryan's pretty hot. What other, besides Dark Skies, what other sci-fi something was she in, though? Well, she was in Star Trek, of course. But that one, that's one show. You might as well listen Marina Sirtis, because she was the original Star Trek ridiculous hottie. Well, now, the beginning of one show counts, because, I mean, it if, counts, it, if it was a long-running show, or if it was a classic show, maybe that's how Aaron Gray got into it. I don't know that Voyager is a classic show just because it bears but the Star Trek. But it's a long-running show. Though. It had seven seasons. She wasn't in all seven seasons. She came in at the end when the show was dying. 
Well, like they threw four, out a chicken like, and a leotard who happened to be a Borg. They're like they're like pulling all the stops. Well, like, like she's running around. She's in a leotard. She's also a Borg. It's like what are you talking about? She's half unicorn. <laughs> Whatever. Get people to watch the show. Damn it. Julian Anderson from the X Files is on the list. I could see her placing. I can't see that at all. I don't think she's very pretty. I think she's pretty, but I can see she's the she's the girl that the nerds think they can get with because she's also she's so nice to uh, to Mulder for no reason. All the Galactica women are on there. Katie Sackoff, who played Starbuck, is on there, and Grace Park, who played Boomer, and you know, all. well, they're all hot. Oh yeah. You know who, who's the girl, the the Asian girl from Enterprise? Her name's also Park. Um. Yeah, you know, oh, sorry. Linda Park, I think. Linda no, Park, I think that's right. She's very cute. Yeah, and I wonder. I'm not sure if they're related. I'm. I don't know. They. Who knows? They're both hot. I guess. That's the only <laughs> similarity. It's the only resemblance. Well, who should be? If you're going to go V, think about Jane Badler from the original V. Yeah. The original Diana. I remember being a kid, and and there were posters of her. Like, like pinup posters of her. And I think you should mention, like, Elvira, if you're going to do a list like that. I know it's not a sci-fi thing, but genre. If we're just going into genre, what about Zoe Zaldana? I love Zoe Zaldana. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. is in two franchises. In movie, that's all genre. Yeah, she was in Pirates and she was in Star Trek. She, she's part of now two she's separate in Star franchises. Trek. She's, she's going to be bigger. She's going to take off, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, Star Trek, that's a major franchise, and she has a character that you can actually remember she was in the movie, whereas I didn't even remember she was in Pirates. And she's going to be a returning character when they make more of them. Well, yeah, they're going to bring will. back Uhura. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Uhura, maybe she'll have an arc that doesn't involve her, like, just looking at Spock longingly. Elena Huffman from Smallville is on the list. Apparently, she's in, she? uh Hang on. Uh, there's a um, lot of cool chicks from Smallville, don't get me wrong. The girl that plays Supergirl, who's also in the new V show, very hot. Um, Black, she played Black Canary, I guess. Oh, well, she was hot. And she's she, in, she's, she's like in, in one episode of that show. Well, she's in Stargate Universe now. What about also. the girl that played Lana? I she was in a mix of other stuff. Yeah, Lana was in a bunch of stuff, and she's very cute. The girl and, that and plays Lois is very hot. She gets her kid off. I remember seeing her with her kid off in one of the episodes. But, uh... Yeah, that girl who's in Stargate, I didn't even make that connection. She's very pretty. And that show, while we're on the subject, is very good. I, I never thought a Stargate show would come out oh, that I oh, would Stargate think Uni- is, oh, is very it? good. I, I've been meaning to watch it, and I haven't had a chance. Stargate Universe is, is the closest thing to real science fiction that I've seen in a television show in a long time. Really? Cool. It's I'd... very. It's like the it's the Voyager concept, but done correctly. Where they get thrown out into space and this ship barely works and they don't know how to work it and they keep running. Every episode is about how they're running out of some major amenity and they have to find it. Like one ep- whole episode is about how they have to find something to fix the oxygen filters. So they're on a planet looking for limestone. That's one of the things I love CO2 about Firefly filters. because the ship barely worked. Yeah, there was a there was a great episode of Firefly where just the the engines stopped working and they're just dying. And they yeah, send yeah, everybody yeah. off in the shuttle. Out of Oxygen's gas. gone, and Mal's just like crawling around the ship, all shot up because someone yeah. wanted his ship. And, and they have these yeah, great, these episode. great flashbacks mm. to introduce how he finds the ship. That's an excellent episode. Wash has that awesomely bad mustache. They're not as cheeky as, as Firefly, but the, it reminds me of that where you really get the feel that out in space is a naked place to be. 
And that's what I liked about Firefly, that sort of, you know, seat of your pants sort of thing. And Voyager, like back in the day, Star Trek Voyager was supposedly their trap in a part of space where they don't have anywhere to rebuild. But every episode, it's still just as well lit. They have just as fancy uniforms. They somehow always get that ship fixed up. You know, you never feel like they're just out in the thick. But in Stargate Universe, every episode is literally a fight for survival so far. Obviously, the show will have to evolve at some point. But the, just the first episode, how do we keep the air on? The second episode, you know, is like, how do we keep the lights on? The third episode, the ship is just getting pulled into a sun. You know, <laughs> like every time. In the how fourth episode, we run out of water. Like, apart the, from being in a sun. What, say again? Mm-hmm. How do they keep warm apart from you know flying close to suns? Well, see, certain parts of the ship. The ship is built to run on autopilot, so those parts of the ship that work run everything for them. But lots of parts, a lot of the sections of the ship are completely shut off, and they don't have enough power to keep it going. And that's the whole concept. They don't have enough power to get back home because the Stargate, you know, supposedly they should be able to dial back to Earth, but they can't get it to work right. But the ship is designed to go into light speed on autopilot and just go to these habitable planets one by one because it was designed, I guess, to explore those kind of planets. So it just starts doing things and going places, and they don't know what's happening. Like there's a whole episode where it's going into a sun, and they're freaking out, and then they realize that it goes into the sun on purpose to recharge. Like, it can survive going into the middle of a star. Okay, before we continue on, the show just redeemed itself. Um, Linda Carter is number one. That is cool. That is very cool. I love Linda Carter. Who does not remember that? Wonder Woman. Hey. What? That's- oh, Wonder Woman. Wonder yeah. Woman. Does anyone yes. know what's happening with the remake? Last thing I heard that was Australia's hottest model was going to be Wonder Woman, and then you she's know, not. And she was great. Here's the thing Megan with Gale. that. Megan Gale. She's I hot. I don't know. I don't know what the kind, what, but she was cast when they were doing that really terrible sounding Justice League. What was really sad about that Justice League movie is almost all the casting choices they had seemed pretty dead on. It was just they were putting such a rush on the film that it didn't sound like the movie was going to turn out well. They, but she looked great. She looked like she would have made an awesome Wonder Woman. I mean, she's like yeah, she's built great. like an Amazon. She really looks like Wonder Woman. She's a supermodel. What, I mean, what, she's what like a literally supermodel, though. She's like a superhuman. <laughs> she's like 10 feet tall. It's crazy. But she looked, and, you know, the guy they had common playing Green Lantern in that film, and I thought that would be very cool. You know, Adam Brody was coming in as the Flash. You guys, I mean, Adam Brody used to be on the OC. That's why I know. <laughs> Probably most of you don't know who have the same predilection towards those kind of shows. But he would have made a good Flash. The problem uh, was that the, never come the big together. two, they, they, like because the, they were trying to throw it together to compete with the upcoming Avengers film, and they were throwing it together too fast. But the biggest problem that they had is when it came down to Superman and Batman, they couldn't get Brandon Ruth or... Christian Bale and they had these relative unknowns coming in to play Batman and Superman and if you want to prop this, this project up on Ruth? something yeah I don't know if it's because they didn't want to because Superman Returns didn't do well but well, you gotta have fault. recognizable faces in those roles yeah he did great in that movie he should continue to play Superman he was a great casting choice oh the real star of the movie was this stunt curl on his forehead yeah. Everyone well, knows that. So long looks, as I get a stunt curl back, there. He looks and sounds just like Christopher Reeve. He's perfect. Like the, the it was the film that didn't 
that didn't measure up. They should have, if they want to retool the whole thing, they should keep him because that's the one really good decision they made. Yeah, they don't have to recast. They don't have to bring any of the rest of them back. Yeah, Lois Lane, um, that was not a good casting. And I like her a lot. I like Kate Bosworth a lot. But but yeah, it didn't really play that well. The Lois Lane in Smallville is much better. They should look at they should get those casting guys because even if you can't get the same people, they always cast such fun people in Smallville to play those roles. Mm. They've got a fun Lois Lane. Their Superman is a really good Superman. In fact, that should be what they're looking at. Is Smallville is reaching its twilight, is trying to just bring Tom Welling up into a Superman movie franchise, whether it's related to the same storyline or not. But that was where the Justice League movie, I think, really started to fall apart is you've got to have some recognizable faces as Superman and Batman because they're bringing the whole thing together. The whole thing introduces these new superheroes with the recognizable faces of Superman and Batman. But if you have unknowns playing them, all of a sudden it turns into Challenge of the Superheroes. (laughs) Well, I bet... Lynn doesn't know what challenge of the superheroes is. <laughs> well, uh, who knows? Maybe no one... Back in the day, back in the old days, like a- after the Batman TV show, they came back and they made, they brought back Adam West as Batman, but they did a, a TV special called Challenge of the Superheroes. And they had Adam West as Batman, and then they brought in just this, this menage of weird people dressed in costume to be this whole this whole assortment of dc superheroes so they had and mostly it was whatever heroes were the easiest to license out so it was like green lantern and Hawkman and black canary i don't remember if they had aquaman or not aquaman was very popular back then and he may have been licensed out in his own animated series Aquaman was the first of the major DC superheroes to have his own solo series. And his old cartoon, which is very cool to watch if you get hold of it, was was very popular back then. When are we going to get our Aquamarine series? Hey, man, when you I get do a some money. Or something. I want to, but cartoons, they don't take money, but they take time. I've been meaning or to comic. do an Aquamarine special forever. I've, I've had the concept. I've had a script written for Aquamarine. It just takes time. It's complicated. I got a costume. <laughs> it was going to be a, a mix a of live action and animation. And the submarine. Oh, yeah, I got it. I the graphic of the submarine was what started to kill the project because the resolution it was the was too high and I couldn't even play it on my computer. <laughs> I have a super villain for you. You want a super villain? Starfish man, Starfish. whose limbs grow back, so you can't kill him. <laughs> Actually, Aquamarine that, has that a, is a good concept. I call him the starfish, though the starfish, yeah. the starfish, yeah, the starfish. I like ninja starfish. Think about I that. I guess I'm just a little bit more old school. <laughs> ninja, ninja starfish. Ninja starfish. <laughs> but, but no, Aquamarine has a, a, a villain. Besides, like there was a pirate. You're gonna need more than one villain. There was a pirate named Kid Cutlass that he had. But his arch nemesis was like a shark man named La Fin de Mundo. <laughs> so he had a big fin head, but Fin de Mundo actually means into the world. So there was like a whole double entendre going on. There. Oh, you're doing a whole. <laughs> but he was going to be a very luchador esque sort of villain. But, oh, nice. But who knows? We may get back to <laughs> La that. Fin Aquamarine's de Mundo. not dead, but. <laughs> 
but it's going to take more time. Animation is just too. Yeah, it takes a long. Video time. of any kind is very time consuming and very and, and very resource heavy, but animation especially so. <laughs> but you should do some claymation. That I heard that takes forever. Yeah, at least computer animation I can handle a little bit. Two D. Claymation, I wouldn't want to do it because sure as the world, you know, I'd like smush the clay or something. That's what I mean. Claymation also demands <laughs> that you have a, a, a set that remains there with a camera that's steady. Mm-hmm. That would be very frustrating. You'd have these weird camera moves. Yeah, you'd like come every in and walk seconds. over it. And... It'd look like Robert Rodriguez shot it. It's like every time you, you line up a shot, it's like you're having to keep it moving the camera around. Like, These are very stylistic choices on the part of the director. Uh, every time I think about that kind of stuff, I always think back with respect to the guys who did the snow battle from The Empire Strikes Back. Because if you ever see how they did that... They were going to do Jurassic Park that way. It would have been awesome. Well, what, that's what makes Jurassic Park awesome is that they were thinking of it that way and someone brought up the concept of CG and Steven Spielberg was very reluctant and they they did you know a, a test sequence of like the Gallimimus stampede to show him what you could do, and that's mm. where he started to get interest. But because the original concept was stop motion, they had Phil Tippett making these real models, and that's why they, and they look had them so working realistic. with the CG guys to help that help make sure they got the motion correct and everything. Yeah, that's why that worked so well because they had you know the marriage of real puppeteers with with CG animators, and now it's like a, in the years later they've just been trying to replace those puppeteers with the CG guys, and that's why stuff doesn't look as good. Well, I did something a little bit similar on Lord of the Rings. They had the people who actually made the physical puppets coming in and teaching the CG people mm-hmm. how they made them look so realistic. I mean, they know what they're doing on that movie, and that movie harkens back to older films because they understand that marriage of, of reality with, with you know, the computer, whereas some of the other button-happy people are trying to get rid of the reality. But, yeah, they. I mean, I Weta and, and Jackson and, and those guys, they know how to use computers to enhance what you have and not replace the entire process. And that's why it looks so much better when they do it. Yeah, I think it's something that they may have made a decision, but I think some of it, as you said, is like filmmaking by accident because they originally, they weren't even going to use Andy Serkis as a physical actor to play the part. They were just going to use his voice and then he turns up on set and he's so good at acting, they just chuck him in there and then they use him as the basis for the character. They have to actually change the model for Gollum. They were shooting stuff with him in the scene and they were shooting the stuff without, so they had their blocking down with how the characters would move so that they could put the CG character in. Well, they said a lot uh, of the time they just they just had to blank him out of the scene because the acting performances were so much better when he was in there. And I, and I really respect that. So they used that. the take with him. But I miss the stuff like the old Ray Harryhausen movies and all that, which is where if you're watching the yeah. original Star Wars movies, that's really what they're building off mm-hmm. of, that same style, you know, that get a set with the stop motion and all that. And then you see the old playmatics from Return of the Jedi where they're actually playing with the large-sized dolls to block out scenes. I don't guess people really do playmatics anymore, but that was a big thing back then where you would just shoot a sort of low-budget version of, of a scene just to block it out and get an idea of how it would work. Well, this, this, these days they just use the animatic and do it in the computer for cheap. 
Well, I, and I think that I don't know. I think that's what messes it up because it never leaves. It never leaves the computer the way they do it now. It begins in the computer, and the final edit is inside the computer. And at best, you have some actors in front of a green screen, and you punch them in the computer. But they never let it out of the computer to see what happens in a in the chaotic environment of the real world. And that's where they lose that sort of awesome, you know, that 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 spontaneous element that always happens when you just let a camera roll and see what's going on. Yeah, well, Peter Jackson did a lot of that with like a tiny little camera and little figurines in front of a little model of the landscape, and he'd have them hopping around and just move the camera around. So he actually got a real feeling for where the camera could actually go, and so it wasn't too CG a lot of the time. Uh, and I like that. They understand how to create a synthetic world that mirrors the real world. Yeah, whereas George Lucas sure don't know how to do. No, just to, I mean... Yeah, there are benefits to playing with dolls. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Damn straight. I, I think that, you know, the more low-tech you can get in the planning phase, the better off you are. So, Frankenstein? <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> I don't know. I did want to mention this new V thing. Have you seen where they're playing, like, V on Sci-Fi Channel? I got it on VHS, baby. We should revisit that in a special to talk about what we think of the new V show. I love that miniseries. The series is utter crap. <laughs> They've been playing episodes of V the series today. <laughs> I was just watching a couple of them going, oh my God. <laughs> I knew this was horrible. I remembered that it was horrible, but even so, I don't it remember wasn't it being horrible. Yes, you were conversing with me at the time, and I suddenly got a strange message saying the aliens are all about the hot chicks or something like that. And I was like, what is Sean doing? Even in the miniseries, they were bad, but it's even worse in the series where the, the V chicks are just all about doing it. All 80s. <laughs> sci-fi shows had like some serious nympho chick and they never really got over that even some you see that in some crappy modern shows that sanctuary show on sci-fi harkens back to the the classic ridiculous cheesy sci-fi because they have all the stupid conventions (laughs) where they just have the trash talking tough chicks who are hot but but bad but you know they want to be good they just need some <laughs> cute-looking, egg-headed nerd to turn them around. Every man's fantasy. Every yeah, nerd yeah, fantasy. All, it's a nerd fantasy, for real. Yeah. Stargate doesn't do that. This new Stargate show is extremely f- sophisticated, so I'm excited about it. Well, cool. But, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad. I want to uh, Yeah, I would, I would recommend it. When I first saw it, I thought, this is pretty good. This is watchable. But now that I've watched several episodes, it's... It's a turnaround for the the Stargate franchise because I could barely watch any of those Stargate shows before. But this is like taking the Stargate concept and applying the Battlestar Galactica formula to it. <laughs> the, uh, I guess the uh, pessimism. <laughs> the darkness and the conflict. I, I wouldn't call it pessimistic because one thing that they do better than, than Battlestar Galactica is I think they have a good mesh of personalities where there's still a moral compass in Battlestar Galactica. The, it got to the point where you just couldn't, you didn't care about any of the characters, but a lot of sci-fi shows are that way. Like heroes has gotten that way where there are no relatable characters because they all just end up doing bad things. And the theme becomes, well, you know, when the situation gets bad, everyone has to be bad. And that's just the way it is. Well, that was one of the things that Joss Whedon had as one of his biggest strong points was he was always good at writing an ensemble cast who you, you, you were interested in all of the characters. 
he's just good at creating characters because he's just mm-hmm. as bad as everybody else when it comes to making people too dark. But he's very good at making characters that are likable and believable and, and somewhat relatable so that it's funny and it's entertaining and you you, you feel for him even when they're making decisions you don't agree with. I think it just reflects his worldview. I think he's a cynical dude. And I think yeah, that, I would, that comes I would down agree with that. Because when, when the chips are down in a Joss Whedon story, you can bet that people are going to make the wrong decisions, people are going to die, and it's going to go wrong. <laughs> like, so he's not quite an idealist, which is what I want out of a sci-fi writer. Well, that's, what I, that's why I like him. That's why I like I'm, I'm him. Quite the I just don't want everyone to write like him. Because I don't want everyone to be like Oh, yeah. Well, he's an individual. You want him to be doing that, but you want other people to be doing other things. Well, he I don't does want it naturally, to... though. I think other people other people do it to be cool or to be realistic or to be moody or something like that. He does it because that's what he believes. Or like Josh Whedon. Yeah. He, they, that's <laughs> yeah. the whole thing. And you can tell even in that Sanctuary show where they're writing dialogue, where they're trying to be Josh Whedon kind of dialogue. But only the he has hit on a formula that only he can really pull off. And because of the level mm. of writing that he's able to deliver. Whereas I don't want everyone to try to be dark like Joss Whedon because they can't make darkness work like he can. I don't mind people wanting to be funny, but they have to actually be funny. They can't just write like quippy <laughs> referential nonsense into the dialogue. You have to be funny. I think that was Stargate's problem. as They were always just trying so hard to be pithy. And the funny little, character. You know, yeah, and it didn't play. So, Speaking of which, yeah. have either of you seen Jennifer's Body? No, that's written by Diablo Cody, who wrote Juno. I don't know what you're talking about. Speaking of quippy dialogue, <laughs> I would, I did want to see it when I found out that Diablo Cody wrote it, but, but no, it looked horrible. It did. I would. Oh, it did. I think it sounds interesting. I'll probably give it a watch. All right. Well, that was a dead end topic. Isn't she a <laughs> vampire? Sorry. In the, she's like a sexy vampire in the movie. Oh, I don't think she's a vampire. I think she's just an undead. Well, whatever. I'd well, watch we, it just because it looked like it, undead, it right? might be fun. And that, who's that other girl that's in that movie? Amanda Siegfried or whatever, the one from Mamma Mia? I like yeah, her a her. lot, too. That made me talk about Mamma Mia. Well, I don't want to watch Mamma Mia, but I like that girl. She's I'm not going to watch that. She's, like, <laughs> she's in Big Love, and I like Big Love. Yeah, I like Big Love. That's an interesting, interesting TV show. It's a show that'll <laughs> start. Different. It'll start to make you mad, and then you won't want to watch it anymore. But it does sort of draw you in. It's starting to get really soap opera esque. Well, it's, it's it's totally soap opera. I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous the things they go through. It's sort of like True Blood, where you know they act like the theme and thesis is that they're trying to defend their lifestyle, but then the things that they do in the show. Make you think? Well, there may be a justification why people are, you know, why people are reluctant to embrace these people, because they're all crazy. Like, I'm not sure it's a religious issue. Yeah, when when they're shooting each other and trying to get involved in the mob stuff, and it's all even bit... even the little parts where they're 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 all just worried about like, oh, I can't be buried next to this person because they they chose a different religion. We're they're going to go to a different heaven than me, and it's like, good lord, even outside, it's like. Even outside of you know the polygamy, like the the whole religious aspect of the characters, you just it's so sad to see people that are just so caught up in the in that religious pretense that they're just incapable of of coming together. That is very interesting about that because they get so 
you know, bound by all the religious rules and everything and the, you know, to where they're not talking to family members and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, and really it's so silly. All you have to do to escape that is just walk away, you know, and, but they don't know how. Well, it's about setting priority, you know, if you set the priority around the people that you care about, then everything else falls into place. But they are so caught up in the pomp of the things that they're, they say to, they believe in that they're they're more worried about the trappings. And I guess it's intended as, as a sort of thinly veiled allegory for people, you know, for the religious state of, of, of America today. Because they are just crippled by their religion, where instead of being empowered by it, and Bill Paxton is just an outright. No, I thought you were going to say too many housewives, because you've had your diatribe on housewives before. Well, I, I I think that's what that's the popcorn they use to draw you in, because that's the the polygamy is sort of the sell of the show, but really it's the characters that drive the show, and it makes you really sad, especially for Gene Triplehorn's character, who's his first wife. And Bill Paxton oh, is yeah. just an utter jerk to all of them because he, I mean. Yeah, there was that one episode where the where she's talking to a young girl who's thinking about marrying her son and becoming his first wife and talking about how hard it is to be the first wife. She's talking about, I used to have him seven nights a week and now I get two nights and scraps. Ugh, I can't, I can't think yeah. of how you would actually do that. And she's so driven. She's so driven to keep her family together that she'll embrace almost anything that happens to that family and it just makes you. You know, she gets crazy too sometimes, but it it just makes you so mad at the people on the show. But it's it's good television in that it's engaging. But there are some times where you're just like, I, I don't know, I don't watch it anymore. I'm just tired of all these characters. Yeah, I think I think that because Bill Paxton is a real a bit of a jerk, and I think that lets the show down a bit because you don't really feel for him, and you're like, why are all these women with him? Yeah, I, yeah. I really think it really does take Especially away. Especially the young hot chick. Why, why is she with him? Because he makes a lot of really bad, outside of how he deals with his wives, he makes a lot of ridiculous decisions in everything in that show. Mm. And and you really do start to think, man, you, know, you kind of have this coming. Because you've made just a, just a series of boneheaded decisions that a person with three families can't afford to make. To be perfectly honest, you got to start thinking. How does he afford three families? I know, I got three houses in a row. It's like it makes me mad at him anyway. And you're just a big jerk with three big houses and three wives. What makes you so special? Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Wanting a fourth wife every time he thinks a waitress at a diner is cute, he gets the calling. <laughs> Well, apparently he's he's allowed to have a dating life in addition to like you know. Well, he's got to find the other wife. Well, see, because suppose, they have yeah. a moral justification that when they reach, they get this testimony. According to the show, I don't I don't I don't know the ins and outs of it, but in the show, if he receives the testimony, then it's okay for him to date around. Certainly, something I couldn't deal with. <laughs> I'm not a sharing person. <laughs> you know, I, I understand that monogamy may be a strange concept to some people on the outside. You know, sometimes I wonder, well, why can't everybody just love each other? But it's like, you know, because people aren't wired that way. We're not that sharing of each other. And Yeah, every time you read about a commune who's tried to do that, you know, sharing the women around, it never works. Yeah, the women are not allowed to just have eight husbands. So yeah. there is there is a one-sidedness to it where it is, oh, yeah, men can go out and receive the testimony and have 20 wives. Except in Futurama. <laughs> Did they? Remember that Futurama episode and he was a girl with, like, four boyfriends? 
That was awesome. I like Futurama. Yeah, and they, they did that in Star Trek Enterprise, actually, too, where the Dr. Phlox was yeah, like in a, has like multiple a polygamous wives, yeah. relationship where they were all allowed to just go out and do whatever, and he's like trying to get tripped. It's like, you should get together with my second wife. She's awesome. <laughs> like, you're creeping me out, man. Jeez, Phlox. Make me uncomfortable. Just give me some Tylenol like I asked. Trying to pawn me off on your brides. If everyone's marrying everyone else, then they kind of wonder what's the point of it all. Well, that is true. I mean, I understand if you're a free love kind of person, then just go into a commune like all the other weirdos. But if you believe in marriage, then why not just marry a person and be done with it? We are so not talking about Frankenstein. We're not doing it at all tonight. <laughs> <laughs> This is typical. I'm even watching the movie. I'm watching the movie right now. It's fine. We may have to come back to Frankenstein because I actually want to get do Frankenstein justice, and it's not happening yeah. right now. Steam. That's okay. We we get well, fine. Time. I'll talk about some movies I've been watching. Bring something up because we've, we've bl- the Frankenstein train has left the station. <laughs> well, I, I watched the um, new version of the Amityville Horror. Crap. Yeah, crap. Yeah, I watched but, that um, in the theater. Lots and lots of semi-naked um, Ryan, whatever his name is. Yeah, that so guy's nice always showing off his awesome pecs. He's starting well, to bother me. Well, if you had pecs like that, wouldn't you take your shirt off more often? Well, look, if I looked like Ryan Reynolds, I'd walk around with nothing on, too. So people could see, see my little director, finely like, toned hip just, dips. Um, I'd, if I was the director, I'd be totally like, I, did, I think for the reality of the performance here, we need to take your shirt off. <laughs> and your pants just for the character for real <laughs> because your house is haunted by an evil pilgrim <laughs> it's like <laughs> that, that movie yeah, you're that watching it going just... what in the hell is happening that that movie has the one scene that we cannot forgive and we actually mentioned this in a very early episode of the show that has the scene where he gets up that goes to the bathroom and there's like a demon in the mirror thing just blah, 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 blah. and then they like cut to the next day he's getting up it's like what the hell <laughs> he went back to bed. I didn't remember that scene. Oh, it was there. It's one of the early ones. I remember ones the scene where the little boy like, gets has... up and goes to look in the mirror, but the, he doesn't see the ghost. Now, there's a scene where, and I think it's Ryan Reynolds, where he's up doing something and he's in the bathroom and he sees like some creepy weirdo demon thing in the mirror, and then they just he kind of just goes back to bed. <laughs> never, and we never yeah. understood those scenes. I don't well, understand that film it now. There's a lot of missing. It misses a lot of the the concept of the original book, but I mean, I mean, oh, you're always going to deviate from the original book. But they went so hard on the the whole that the Ryan is the baddie for some reason, and they lost the concept that the house is supposed to be scary, and the haunting, and the dude in the basement, and then the big brother that was in the Jody. What's the with changing the pig demon into a little girl? And it was just it really lost a focus. They kind of missed everything that made it scary. Because, no first of all, slime. there was an overemphasis on the backstory with, you know, the actual pilgrim ghost guy in the basement. You're like, this is... In the original film, it was scary because there's just a gateway to hell in the basement. And that has messed up. <laughs> like, like I remember as a kid thinking... <laughs> and that's thinking, plenty crazy that enough. That is messed up. Yeah, you don't have to see... When someone tells you that's a gateway to hell, you don't actually have to open it up and see what's on the other side. <laughs> you know, that's good enough. Well, have you guys just... read the book? No, I have not no. read the book. 
The book, I think, was one of the scarier books I've ever read, simply because it really took the structure of, okay, what happens today? And they really um, took that, we're just retelling blankly what happened every day. And after 28 days of, and then this day they saw a demon in the mirror, and on the next day there was the marching band. And it really just builds up, and, and it's this relentless, and then this horrible thing happened. In the movie, they skip straight from like day one to day 15, and then you're wondering what's ever, what's going on. But in the book, it really was this relentless, and then this horrible thing happened, and then this horrible thing happened, well, and they tried to get it, out, and the house wouldn't let them. That's what we were talking about before, where when you have a documentary feel, it becomes scarier because you really do start feeling like yeah. it's real. And that's where I think, you know, I keep trying to tell people to go see Paranormal Activity in the theater because I feel like they'll miss it on, you know, if it's anywhere else. Because when you're in there and you're seeing the whole thing, it does have a very straightforward kind of feel and you and you relate. You're like, oh, God, you feel like you put yourself there. When, when you see them yeah. go through their everyday lives and then all of a sudden something wild happens, if it's over-dramatized, that's not that dramatic an event to happen in an over-dramatized film. But if it's told documentary style where you can really think, oh, what if that happened in my house? I would be freaking out, you know? And you really put yourself there. It makes you think about it when you're at home, you know? Yeah, my bedroom is set up just like theirs. It's scary. Yeah, and I saw the pictures, and I'm, I'm like, that's my bedroom. I my bedroom looks just like that. I wouldn't do what they do because they just sleep up there with the door open and everything. I don't sleep with the door open. I don't relate to that. Like they, the demons running up and down the stairs all night. I would at the very least close the door. He's putting like baby powder down so he can get demon footprints. It's like close the door. Close <laughs> the door. Just I don't care if it works or not. Try it out. Like I'll be switching it up like crazy. Like, go to a hotel. Go to a different place. I don't care if it follows her. Her house burned down when she was five. It hasn't come back for 20 years. Move now. You might get a good 20 years. If it's following your girlfriend, how about you leave your girlfriend? <laughs> exactly. That's the pragmatic <laughs> approach. When you're you like, rethink Look, that relationship. Yeah, It's not going to help you to leave the house, honey. But, it doesn't pay off for him in the end, does it? I've read, I've read what happened yeah, in the end of that movie. It doesn't pay off. It's a, it's a morality play on how you shouldn't stand by your girlfriend. <laughs> Not if she's possessed by a demon. Yeah. Well, you sure to hell don't that's sleep. I like. You know, okay, you love her and all that. You don't sleep next to somebody that's possessed by a demon. It's not mean to her. She can't help it. <laughs> but you don't just like, okay, we'll figure this out in the morning. <laughs> Go to bed. Well, that's one of the things I did like in the new Amityville horror. Right at the end, when he's he's gone all trying to chop them with the axe and everything like that, the son's like, why don't we just leave him here? I know. Why do we all have to watch him go crazy until he kills us? That's like the shining thing. It's like, I well, don't understand. I, was, I, I wrote down little notes after watching the movie, and one of my notes is, if your husband is going crazy and threatening people with axes and being all moody, do you leave him at home with the axe and the kids? Yeah. <laughs> and isn't it, While you go off isn't to the it library a favor to him? I the mean, mac microfilm scene. Even if you're loyal to him, you know, do you think he's going to want to wake up after some, like, blood crazy delirium and realize he killed all the kids you know remove the stuff that, that, that's really going to weigh on his conscience and, and anyway it's always good to take kids to a library they could read something interesting yeah, like, I'm not going to take them to the library they can't behave <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll leave them home with the that way. Oh, yeah. it's, it's so it's so frustrating he's like trying to chop that little kid's hands off hold that piece of wood hold that piece of wood while I chop at it with the axe go on but that go, that'll make you crazy because that happens in all kinds of movies where they start to suspect that they're weird, but they don't get the kids out. 
Like, I would think if you had kids, that would change the whole landscape. Because even in paranormal activity, it's just the two of them. I could see, you know, especially like he was so obsessed with the idea that he could make the situation right. That's where, but there, that, the, the scariest scene actually, in psychologically in the movie, like there's some good scary scenes near the end, but the scariest scene in the movie is actually, he's where she just, there's one night where they leave the camera up all night and there's one night where she just gets up and she just stands over the bed and watches him for like an hour. <laughs> like yeah, the, I see that on the video. The I'm not thinking next to that see, person like, again. She's just standing there. If I were that guy the next day and he's like, you know, here's this footage of you standing over the bed like a total weirdo. <laughs> like, but Again, he's not calls as, to rethink the relationship. Yeah, he's not as moved by it as he would be. That would freak me out completely. Even if she's not possessed by a demon, if she's just sleepwalking, you, you really should be concerned about what she's doing in her sleep. Yeah, because what happens that whole night, because then she just goes downstairs and never comes back up, and he wakes up, and he finds her in the yard, and she's like, I don't want to come back in. And she doesn't remember any of it the next day. It's like, that's it. You know, we're coming up with a different arrangement because <laughs> you don't remember Well, I don't know why at this point he doesn't he doesn't go to some sort of professional. Like, what, what if she just has sleep apnea or something? She could have, like, parasomnia. You know, there are people who are, like, serious sleepwalkers who go do crazy, screwed-up things. Like, and if she can just get up. That's another reason to shut and lock the door. She just gets up in the middle of the night and starts staring at you, like, standing by the bed for two hours. And then just wanders off into the yard and doesn't remember it. (laughs) It's like, you are not seriously going to go back to sleep next to her. You are not going back to bed. What if she wanders out onto a road or something? Yeah, or what if she, I kept expecting her to come up with, like, a kitchen knife. Like, what? I mean... (laughs) I don't understand that train of thought at all. Like you're watching, you know, there's something weird going on. You're watching the footage the next day. You know, the normalcy bias is sort of out the window because you already know you're not in a normal situation. I can't believe that you watch that. And then next day you set up the camera, just like normal, go right back to sleep. (laughs) I would at least be like, you know, I'm going to sleep during the day. Because there was never even a moment in the movie, and this did make me mad, although they tried to explain it away by making the character a douche. But there's never a (laughs) moment in the movie where he just decides, I'm going to keep watch at night. You know, without saying anything to her, when she goes to bed, I'm just going to pretend to go to sleep and then just sit up. <laughs> and then when she gets up and staring at him, at least he could talk to her and maybe find out why she's doing it psychologically. Go back to bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when she starts saying weird red room kind of nonsense, he leaves. It's like that's it. You you are on your own in this weirdness because that's what happens when they start being plagued by the demons in these movies. Yeah, you feel for them because they're the victim at first, but then ultimately they end up you know getting possessed by the demon and that's it. That's the, well, that's the thing. thing. In the Amityville yeah. horror, I would leave a guy. He doesn't need to be possessed by a demon, but he if he's making my kid stand there and hold a log while he's chopping it with an axe, I'm leaving him anyway. I don't care if he's possessed or not. If he's being a jerk, yeah, those are her kids. Maybe, They're not his kids. Maybe he's just a jerk. You don't know. Yeah, oh, I was possessed by a demon. That's why I was hitting you with the axe. Whatever. <laughs> I think that there was, yeah, I don't Can really care the, the reason. Because either way, yeah. Either way, you're not selling me. There's a sort of real-world element to this where you see these these women who, like, they marry guys who beat up their kids or whatever, and they won't leave them because they don't want to be alone. 
and those women. Yeah, but that's never in the movie. Well, but I mean, it's like a metaphor for that when you see that situation. It's like it's like a metaphor for that situation where. Apparently, the real George Lutz actually sued them for making him look so bad in the movie. <laughs> That's like suing them for making a stupid movie. I don't think anybody came away thinking that any of that was real in any way. Because it was horrible. Well, I don't even believe in the original haunting, but that's a whole other issue. But at least in the 70s movie, you know, it's a little bit more straightforward. And it's like we were saying, movies at that time having the documentary feel, it, it, there was a plausibility to the fact that it could have come to a real... When you see, like, the demon guy in the pilgrim outfit or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, there's no, there's, there's no suspension of disbelief that this is anything other than just a, an invention of, of their minds. Yeah, that was a pretty bad one. I watched. Oh, I watched the abandoned, as well. Uh, oh wait, that's the Russian one. I have seen that one. Yeah, that's the one that Brooks has said was really good in a previous episode. I didn't like it. I didn't really enjoy it. No, I didn't like it at all. I thought it was kind of tedious. I mean, the doppelgangers were scary. Well, and the story was pretty scary, where he's trying to feed the babies to the pigs or whatever, but. Ultimately, really? there's a lot pigs of just scary. running around and screaming and stuff, and I don't like movies like that where it's just feeding babies to pigs. Yeah, I read on I was reading on the IMDb forum, and they were saying it might have been a pretty good movie if it had been a short film. Yeah, it was an interesting concept. But it just got really repetitive by the end. Yeah, I, I kind of was over it by the end, so I didn't really buy into and it. And the whole concept that her daughter somehow knew what was going on and she wasn't going to come back over, and that really didn't play out very well. Yeah, I don't really buy that at all. But the biggest thing I thought was wrong with it was that the characters, you didn't even get to know them. They, she just appears at the house, starts getting haunted, runs around screaming and doesn't ever And, and then she runs into person. this weirdo Russian guy who turns out to be her brother or whatever, and you never really understand. To my mind, you never really understand no, how they both end up work. there at the same time at all. Like Brooks's description Apart of it actually made it sound a lot more sublime than it turned out to be. Yeah, their crazy ghost dad somehow gets them there because it's their destinies to die, whatever. And it just, it never quite works out that they can't get away because it's their destiny. Well, they obviously didn't die the first time, so. Yeah, I didn't, I, I did and find And then the naked so- chick appears and that guy's fondling her. And apparently she's like his long lost love and then it's, no, it's really his dad. And it's weird yeah. and then he gets eaten by the pigs and <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. This is not my it's, kind of movie. It doesn't make There are a lot sense. of good visual devices because there are a lot of flashbacks where she's walking through the house and she walks into the room as as the scene is happening. But but again, it's like it's ninety minutes. I like the of bit that. with the torch. So you never really yeah. you, you you don't really buy into it because it's just ninety minutes of weird things happening. Yeah, I, I like the bit with the torch where she if she shines the torch on something she sees what happens. Yeah, in the past. it's very cool visually. And that I, I, I can see that's why Brooks likes it because he has that real soft spot for visually interesting movies. But I don't know. There's too many movies yeah, that are strong story-wise. Yeah, it reminds me of one of those Japanese horrors where just stuff happens. And- yeah, I, I'm getting tired. And we were talking about Drag Me to Hell and the zombie thing where yeah, it was so much fun in some of the scenes, but. It just seems sad where we're like, yeah, but the story is, is it's 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 good, but the story is pretty weak. It's like, well, it's a story. You're telling a story. So if the story is not good, then then you are ultimately failing, even if I mean, it's good that you can make it entertaining, even though the story is not good. But the ultimate goal is the telling of a story. 
So if the story's not there... Well, that's the thing. I like the Japanese ones because I've watched a couple of ones that had really good stories. I mustn't have been seeing the ones that you've been seeing because I the, most of the ones I've watched have had really interesting stories. Well, and stories. we've said that too. Sometimes it's a very harsh generalization for me to say all Japanese movies are bad. <laughs> It'd be just as easy to say all American movies are bad because of the percentage. But... But surely, I mean, there there are some good ones. I, I just think I see a certain style that people are drawn to when they go for these Asian extreme movies when they're looking at these Asian movies. But but there are some good ones. I like some of Takashi Miike's movies. I think are pretty good. But I just don't like that extreme style. I don't like where it's creepy and there's no story, and I don't like where it's ridiculously violent and there's no story. Yeah, I'm not offended by abstract. It's like David Lynch. You know, if you're watching his movies, you understand it's abstract. You're not going to get all of it because there's uh, there's a very strong chance that there are some elements that actually make no sense <laughs> that are not symbolism for anything. You know, because they are like living dreams, and that's what Brooks likes about a lot of these Asian movies too—the dreamlike quality. But I just don't want to see that become the norm. And, and Americans emulating that is not I'm finding my dreams are becoming a lot more lucid and more like reality these days. I'm having a lot of dreams that are just like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so they make a lot of Those sense. Those the ones I like I had a dream best. about um, a, a water dragon that came and attacked this, this canal village last night. I'm trying to put it into a story because it was so lucid. And she had, had a whole like, you know, beginning, middle and end of the dream. Those are the ones that are my favorites. I haven't had one like that in a while. Either, but the ones that that either have a very defined storyline, especially a backstory, which is fascinating to me, where there's some some stuff you actually understand going into the dream as backstory, but then you know also some of them have like these ridiculous like the the details can be very can be very pronounced. So it kind of is strange to me mm. for us to want to tell stories where we want to. Tell, you know, make them like ambiguous dreams when it's more interesting to me to have dreams that are more that are a little bit more detailed stories I think it's 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 a give and but take yeah they're, they're much more interesting I think you should be dreamlike visually but I think you should be grounded in the premise of your story I think that's what I like to see in directors more I want to see them have a, a substantive story but I would like to see them be dream like like Guillermo del Toro. I think when he's at his best, like Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, I love his work. I think Pan's Labyrinth really ran that that line where I think he had yeah, a, a grounded good. story, but visually he had a lot of bizarre and abstract, like dreamlike elements that, and it made it a, it, it really did give it a sort of magical realism because you have this this stark reality, and then you have. What you would think is sort of an escapist fantasy on her part, but it's also very dark, and it's a mirror to that reality. So it's believable. Yeah, well, I like – that was one of the few movies that had a very ambiguous ending but really showed how to do it well. And and I could see that going either way because really, I mean, we're given to believe that the whole thing was a fantasy and none of it was real and she, she really just died. But then there is an element in the story where she's given a magical – power which is to draw a door with this chalk and get into a room and she does i mean we don't see it magically happen but she pops up in that room with with her baby brother to rescue him and she uses the chalk to get there so you're given this sort of ambiguity 
Yeah, the bit with the mandrake root where she's, you know, actually helping a mum heal and then they throw it in the fire and what happens to a mum, you know? So yeah, there are elements that do make you wonder. That is it Was it the stress of finding out that there was a mandrake root under a bed or was and then it she dies. they took it away? There was a lot of things that make you question, yeah. Or does it happen in her mind? You know how children will create their own their own sort of set of rules where she blamed her mother getting worse on the fact that they threw the mandrake out just because she wanted to feel like she had power. Just like, you know, they didn't show her magically pop up into the room to save her brother. She could have sneaked into the room, but in her mind, she created a door with that piece of chalk. They left that ambiguous on purpose yeah. to say maybe it's well, all in the, that was one of the, the fantasy really mind liked. of a child. I don't, it's not that I don't like ambiguous endings, but ones where they feel like they just haven't tried to finish off the movie because they're kind of, we'll just leave it ambiguous. Or, yeah. That's, that's or if I don't they like put the work it, on the audience because like they the haven't thought it through. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, what you don't yeah. see is important. Let the audience fill out the, the stuff of their imagination. But there are some elements you do have to tell in a story. You can't just leave it ambiguous yeah. because you're like, I don't feel like making up an ending. Did you ever watch The Devil's yeah. Backbone? We talked about that on the show. No. You should check I'm that still, out. I think I've watched I'm still that. here, by the way. <laughs> what do you want to yeah, Facebook yeah, again? Jump in anytime. No, I'm just sitting here and you guys, I mean, I, you just are not talking about anything I have anything to say about. So I'm just, I'm sitting here. When you, when the, when you, when, when you get to something that I will talk about, I'll, I'll chime in. I just wanted you to know. I was we here. gave you the floor you on these about, girls Greg? of sci-fi. Apart from hot chicks. And then you didn't have anything. You think my, you think all I want to talk about is hot chicks? Well, it gets nope. my attention. Well, yeah. nope. well, what else have you talked about today? Uh, I don't know. I mean, go ahead. I'm just sitting here. I'm just doing my thing. <laughs> well, what do you like to watch, Greg? What do I like I to watch? I know what you don't like to watch, but I don't know what you do like to watch. Yes. Well, what movies do you like? You know, honestly, I don't watch it. Well, honestly, I don't watch a whole lot of movies these days. Um, just because I don't have time. It seems like it's hard to get out to the movie theater. Um, but I do watch a lot of TV, and well, you can watch movies on TV. It's a new well, thing. Uh, well, I you may do, have heard actually. of it. I finally got around to seeing Slumdog Millionaire because it came on HBO. The other day. Oh, I'm sure I'll see it. I don't know. I have this vibe about that movie that it's actually it? depressing mm-hmm. and not. They keep acting like it's inspirational. It looks like it looks uh, like a downer to me. It looks like one of those inspirational, movies. Inspirational. I mean, it has like a. It's depressing with an inspirational ending. <laughs> In my mind, I mean, but but. You know, I thought it was good. I thought it was a a very interesting way to tell a tale. You know, it was uh, uh, and it just the writing. I thought, you know, as far as like putting together um, this guy's life story in the context of a game show it of an was actual very game interesting. show for an Oscar movie, it looks like a pretty thinly veiled product placement for an actual TV show. <laughs> Well, I enjoyed it. Other than that, I don't know, man. I'm not. I'm not. I've been sitting. Here, that's another reason why I've been sitting here quiet. So I've been sitting here trying to think of stuff I've been watching lately. This season of television has not been too good either. No, I've uh, been watching the new season of. You can see uh, the first five episodes at least of the new heroes on Netflix now. I, I saw those. Hmm. That show has just gotten to the point where it's incomprehensible, really. Well, I'd say I just never. I mean, I mean I you can still it. watch it as a soap opera, but it makes no sense story wise. I lost it's interest so, in the first season, it's so I just haven't watched makes it. Just crazy. But um, 
I'm trying to think. Well, my favorite TV show at the moment is Glee, but I'm, I'm sure you guys don't like musicals, so you probably wouldn't like Glee. Well, you know, Glee. I, I've heard a lot of good things about Glee. I haven't well, watched it. Well, I like it, Glee but, anyway. Uh, I think it's pretty fun. If you don't take yeah. it at all seriously, I, it's it really fun. It looks to me like it would be a lot of fun. I, I, like I said, I haven't watched it, not because I don't want to watch it. It's just, you know, I haven't watched it. But it, they're, and, and they've actually gotten some Broadway stars in to do the singing and the acting hmm. and stuff. So I think that's really good. Well, that's fun. I'm trying to think of if there are any, besides Stargate Universe, if there are any new shows. You know, obviously I like to watch Destination Truth. That show's been funny to me. And The Ghost Hunters. Although the, the South Park did a Ghost Hunters, poof, that was really mean. <laughs> <laughs> They're just running around, what was that, what was that, what was that? Just urinating themselves. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's very mean but it's funny well uh oh you guys were speaking about how much you hated um the twilight ones have you seen the vampire diaries i watched the first two episodes of that show before flash forward started and i gladly started watching that instead ah flash forward yes I, I've well been apparently they make I, I could say flash forward is a good one but vampire diaries is just a ridiculous like twilight ripoff but not even good well apparently they do make amusing reference to twilight and how crap it is in vampire diaries like the girl asks him do you glitter when you go out in the sun he says no i'm in the real world where vampires burn if they go in the sun well that's what i find funny about that is like (laughs) when you rip somebody off and you insult them because obviously i mean the guy even kind of looks like the twilight guy but it's it vampires yeah. it's vampires in in a high school you know conveniently coming out right after the popularity of twilight but it's it's not watchable and they try that too where they have to have they try to have pithy dialogue and they're just the writers aren't good so it's just awful but but i watched like the first two episodes of that and then a show called flash forward started which is actually pretty cool yeah, that's on here. Yeah, I, it's it's sort of a lost in the concept is lost where they just sort of begin with everything going wrong. It's not as good as Lost, but it is actually a little bit more grounded as far as the story. Well, it's definitely got you hooked for the whole thing. Yeah, I'm afraid it's going to turn out to be dumb from from day one. As far as like you want to see how all this stuff turns out, you know, if his if. So what's the concept in of the, the show? Concept, is it a time travel no, one? Well, it's very weird. What happens in the story, time travel for all we know may become part of the story. What happens is there's this worldwide blackout where everybody blacks out for like two minutes or something. And when they wake up, they have all had these flash forward visions of the same date in time several months in advance, like the next year. And so they're trying to figure out, as the show progresses, they realize some people did not black out. And they realize that probably, you know, someone actually caused this to happen. And they're trying to use these flash forwards they had to piece together what's happening from now to then. And it's a, it's a very interesting, interesting. It's pretty interesting. And it's got Joseph Fiennes in it. And he's very good. And it has uh, John Cho, who played Sulu in the Star Trek yeah. movie. Also had He's Seth MacFarlane in the first episode playing a dramatic role, which is weird. <laughs> um, yeah, John Cho actually has a, a neat story arc, whereas he, he blacked out, but he didn't see anything. He didn't have one, yeah. Yeah, so and he so, uh, thinks he's dead. And, and that. 
at that point. They're playing it well because everyone's like, you don't know, you know, you might be asleep when the blackout happened or whatever. In, in the future, you may have just been asleep and that's why you didn't flash forward or whatever. What I appreciated how they covered all those bases at the very beginning. Like they log- the characters logically came to the same conclusions. But then in one of the early episodes, he meets a girl who also did not have a flash forward. And he's like, oh, well, and it's a little bit better. And then by the end of the episode, she gets killed. Like, it's like oh, oh god oh no <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of comforting but but it's a fun show and and it really feels like it's going somewhere and it's really about the characters but there i do have this fear that this this sort of cabal that they're alluding to that has created this this situation is going to end up being something dumb yeah i'm a little worried about that too because now they got the guy from lost in there and He's all. There's several people from from Lost. Like that guy is in it, and uh, the 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 doctor who is you know one of the main characters, Joseph Fine's wife, was also in Lost for a while. And I think there's one or two other people who were in Lost in this show. I don't. So is this a J.J. Abrams show? It's not J.J. Abrams, but maybe there are some people. Maybe there are some similar creative people. We'll have to look up. It's an ABC show, and they also did Lost. So maybe there's some similar producers there. I don't believe J.J. Abrams has anything to do with it. And that might be fine because he actually was the one who did that friend show, and that friend show is not watchable. You don't not like it? at all. Oh, oh, it's got a pretty good fan base. Well, you know, they absorbed that X-Files crowd, which is what they were looking to do, and I couldn't stand the X-Files either. Just random, nonsense, weird thing of the week crap. But not very well thought out, not very interesting, and none of it, you know, it's bad science fiction because there's nothing even close to science in it, which is what always bothers me in these shows. Oh, but it's got that old crazy guy, and he's awesome. He's good. I mean, he's a good actor. It's a it's a waste of him. Lame, and, but he's yeah, really they funny. try with him. Sometimes I watch it just to see him. I don't, I think all the there's people in on. it are good. I like uh, Joshua Jackson, who's one of the other main guys. He's good. It's just. He hasn't been used much in the last few well, years. Well, yeah. I mean, most of those Dawson's Creek kids good. were good actors. They just didn't do well. James Vanderbeek, I actually think, is a very good actor. But he hasn't been he hasn't been challenged very much. Let's say that. He hasn't been putting a lot of good stuff. Well, they put Fringe on here in the middle of the day, so sometimes I turn it over just to watch the old guy be crazy. Well, I, mean, I, I would say that if you like sci-fi stuff, Fringe is, is mostly watchable. It's not for me because I don't I enjoy really that kind of sci-fi. stuff. I sci-fi. I don't enjoy that kind of stuff that's too over the top. And they also have that – ever since Joss Whedon, everybody tries to write clever dialogue, even if they're not clever writers, and that's just insufferable to me. I can't stand like funny guys in shows when the writers aren't funny. <laughs> it makes you crazy because if the writer is funny, everybody ends up being very funny, which is actually almost it's almost a weakness of Just Whedon how all of his characters are extremely witty, even if the character's not supposed to be very smart. He can't help it. It's just because the writing flows into all the characters. So there's just king of the one-liners those shows. But then people watch it and they want to be like him and they're like, "I'm going to write something funny here." It's like that's not how it works. I like Bones. I watch Bones. Oh yeah, my wife watches. I enjoy Bones. Bones. Bones is a really good procedural show. Mm-hmm. But I've I've always liked Bones. I liked Bones because they turned one of the main characters into a serial killer. That was pretty cool. Yeah, except they didn't kill anyone. Yeah, they 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 went 
they they whisked out of it and then they started making him more believable where they're like, I actually didn't kill anyone. And they're all like, oh, well, that's okay. You were just apprenticed to a serial killer with full knowledge of what he was doing. <laughs> so I guess that's fine. So I guess it's okay. That was kind of interesting because they don't usually do that. They don't usually do that in this sort of serious show is have a, you know, one of those characters, oh, it was him all along? He was the killer? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I liked that. They should have left it that because it became very creepy because he was always a weirdo. Like, so he was one of those guys where, you, you know, guys like that in real life, where when it, tur- when it turns out that he's in league with a serial killer, you're like, yeah, I kind of saw that coming. I didn't want to say anything, surprised. but I'm not, yeah. It's not a big shock. I mean, obviously, I, I didn't literally see it coming or, you know, I wouldn't have been coming to work every day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> knowing that. But but now that you say it in this context, it it, it, it feels right. I also like the ghost whisper because Jennifer Love Hewitt is just running around in nothing all the time. Damn straight, that's man. Her oh, that's show, and then she just totally weeps. Every episode finishes with her weeping. Well, I don't have, I don't like watching that. But every show, she's just weeping about some other family. Oh, they really loved each other. Well, that's, that's what makes the show fun to oh. watch on mute because the show is all just about you know, let let me show you my cleavage and then cry. I'm the ghost whisperer. <laughs> well, I have to say, that's about the only reason why I watch it. Because uh, Well, if you were a ghost looking for, for someone to talk to, you <laughs> probably would be drawn to someone that looked like that. Just like they're always showing up in her bedroom when she's she's taking her clothes off to get a shower. I need your help. It's like, why doesn't anybody ever find me in the living room? Like, there's no time for that. <laughs> I need to find the light. Come on. <laughs> they moved Smallville to Fridays so they could play that Vampire Diary show in its time slot. So that's already annoying to me. Oh. So I miss Smallville so much, I end up having to see it on DVD pretty much all the time. Just to see what character set they're working with. They have this weird rotating cast that they use. Like sometimes Green Arrow is one of the main characters. I think they got rid of Lex Luthor. You know, Supergirl was on the show for like a couple of years and she's out. They had Jimmy Olsen on the show and killed him off. Really? They killed yeah. Jimmy Olsen? <laughs> So he's well, never going to be like Superman because this dude's probably in his 20s. Well, what now, right? they did was apparently, and I didn't see the episode, I was being told this, but apparently there was some criticism that their Jimmy Olsen was too old. Jimmy Olsen's not supposed to be the same age as Lois and Clark and the rest of them. Right. And he was. So what they ended up doing was killing him off and kind of alluding to the fact that he had a, a much younger brother who may become oh. like <laughs> the actual Jimmy Olsen one day. And that was sort of their little cop out to like do what they want with that character, but then get him out of the way. So, th- well, that's the thing. It's a sort of a comic book TV show. You can do whatever you like. Oh, they, they can do. Die and come back. Yeah, I love Smallville. But, they but have guy, no I mean, compunction but, but whatsoever. The, but the Clark in this show, I mean, he's got to be in his early twenties now, right? Yeah. So. I, I, to be f- honest, one of the things that is a great criticism of the show for me is I don't see him getting his college degree. And I'm really having a problem with a Superman who didn't even go to college. I'd like to see him working a little bit more to study. It's starting to explain why Superman's not big on the brain department when, you know, when Lex Luthor starts showing up. It's like, well, you know, he got his GED. You got to give him. I mean, he was busy <laughs> well, fighting see, like I, rock yeah, demons. I don't have any trouble believing that, that Superman <laughs> didn't make it through college. <laughs> it's, it's not like he was all studying trigonometry while this was going on. He was having to fight Mr. Mixelplick. 
because that's one of the things that I like about Glee because they've got the storyline progresses so quickly that it's just crazy. It's totally soap opera. One week, you know, someone's pregnant. Oh, they're not. Blah, blah, blah. You know, they're getting married. Wow. You know, every week something crazy and news happening. And yet there are still these things that, that people haven't found out about that are still sitting there under the surface, simmering away that they remind us of every other week that are still big to come out. So it keeps you watching. Well, I kind of like, I do like the, the teeny bopper stuff. I think Smallville maintains a sort of teeny bopper soap opera. I'm still big on, on uh, Supernatural as most, it's one of the only genre shows that I can watch because they've got like an ongoing soap opera where they've actually had a storyline where, where angels were coming down to help them fight demons and then one of them accidentally triggered the apocalypse and summoned Lucifer and now the devil is Don't on earth. Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> yeah. like, I did that last week. Accidentally triggering the apocalypse again. <laughs> I hope they're uh, building to their last season because they really are like, if you guys are fighting Satan this year, <laughs> what, what's going to happen in your next season? Where actually God comes back and he's mad and he's teamed up with Jesus. It's like, Lord, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you guys should kill God on the show. That's I'm, that's my advice. Well, they did it on Star Trek and it didn't seem to hurt. <laughs> well, that movie didn't make any money either. People are never hyped about that. We're like, so that's God? Well, no. you know, they, they kind of... That's just yeah, established that he was not God. But. Yeah, but that's what made it even worse that it was a cop out. But there is a moment when you're watching that movie where they get to the place and the bearded face shows up, and you're like, "Oh crap, what's happening?" The <laughs> 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 God starts shooting it with laser bolts out of his eyes. Like, dude, what's seriously hey. what's going on? <laughs> Come on, that's kind of a dick. Then... I always dislike that episode of the show that always happens. And it happens a lot in mainstream shows. They just have one episode where they'll suggest that there's a ghost or something like that. And then we find out at the end of the episode it wasn't a real ghost. But then something creepy still happens to suggest that ghosts are real. <laughs> like one of the things that happened was a ghost. And it happens on all these shows. And it always irritates Oh, you know me. what was the worst for that? That that And I love this show. This is like my favorite show of all time. But Quantum Leap used to have episodes like that all the time. Where he'd like leap into a guy who is like a Bigfoot enthusiast and they spend the whole time, you know, like, no, no, you can't do that. And then at the very end, he'd see Bigfoot and be like, oh boy, and then just, or like same thing, he's a UFO researcher. And at the very end, like a UFO starts landing, he's like, oh good, I'm going to get to talk to you, like son of a bitch. Well, no, it's like, you know, can I get a little bit of payoff here? Come on. It's like, God, seriously, dude. They did one of them on MacGyver where he was getting chased by this Bigfoot the whole time and it was a dude in a big mask. And then at the end, the Bigfoot noise got made again and they were like, oh, but the guy in the mask has always been shot. <laughs> yeah. How stupid is that show? There was an episode where he got hit on the head and it woke up in like King Arthur's Camelot <laughs> for like a two-parter. <laughs> it's a, it's often an interesting and fun show to watch. We watched one the other day that it was so like he was coaching a hockey team and we were like, what is this? Where's the exploding? He went through a real bad phase when they ran in, basically when they lost their good writers. When MacGyver started out, it was a very clever show, and he was a spy, and he'd do all these fun spy things. And then somewhere by about the third season or so, he started doing like these issues of the week where he was like MacGyver was using his Swiss Army knife to help teen girls stop drinking and stuff. Like, I'm not sure this is really suited to your skill set, MacGyver. 
<laughs> not that many teen girls are strapped to bombs with timers on them, which I don't understand why people do that with you. They know you're MacGyver. My favorite in MacGyver was the um, recurring character who was his nemesis that was it Murdoch. <laughs> Murdoch, like yeah, Murdoch. And at the end of every episode, it was MacGyver, yeah! and like he's they would kill him like every season. <laughs> he'd be like bathed in boiling oil. He'd be dipped into a boiling oil tank, but he'd swim out. I swam out. Because he was like the evil MacGyver. <laughs> <a> little thing. <laughs> Murdoch was MacGyver's nemesis. So he was he had all MacGyver's powers. He could MacGyver out of situations. Including an inability to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also... Even when you put him in hot oil or dropping down a 20-story building and drop rubble on him or well, anything. Because MacGyver would die. never conventionally try to kill Murdoch. It's like, you know, guys, if you would simplify this, someone would win. You know, if you got the drop on the other guy and just, like, started to shoot him or something like that, you know, but you're always throwing them off of things or tying them to things or thinking they drowned. How many how many times have we lost because you just assume somebody drowned? Yeah, I mean, how stupid are you to assume that somebody died when they were dropped in a huge pool of boiling lava? Well, that's the villain fatal flaw. That's not going to kill Murdoch. Anyway, it's like, you know, they always do that. They always, like... Yell. It's also the hero fatal flaw in MacGyver. Yeah, because <laughs> MacGyver won't kill. So when he dropped, Murdoch accidentally falls down a mine shaft, he's like, well, that's probably the last. I'll see of him. And then his hand shoots up from the pile of rubble. <laughs> MacGyver! <laughs> you know he's going to come back. He, he's still yelling your name, man. What are you doing? When he's hanging out with, like, Jack Colton or something, it's like, what are you talking about? Can you not hear that? Plain as day. <laughs> then MacGyver every now and then would just have episodes where... It was like an alternate universe MacGyver set in like the Old West. And they would just have episodes where he was like a cowboy who wouldn't wear a gun. Those were the it better It was a good episodes. show because it was like anything was on the table. Back in the 80s, no one cared. Back in the 80s, you could make an episode about anything in the world. And no one cared. They actually believed that audiences forgot week to week what was on. Well, I remember they in Lois and Clark they went back to medieval times once. Did they? Oh, they did. I don't remember that. Lois and Clark's a pretty cheesy show too. Yeah, it went off the rails when they started hooking up. That was one of those moonlighting things. You know, it's not worth watching after they hook up. Well, they also in the second season got the same producer to bring it back to this, but they actually got the same executive producer who made V. And Robert Singer started bringing in these more bizarre sort of like super villains of the week and all that. And they'd have like Roger Daltrey playing like Kryptonian weirdos. And I actually kind of miss Lois and Clark because I miss Superman running around in spandex fighting bad guys. <laughs> and that's one thing I still kind of miss in Smallville. Too. I, would, I, would watch, I would watch them running around in tights. I mean, you really think Smallville has a, re a realistic credibility to defend? I do remember one episode where the baddie tried to tell Lois um, who Superman was, and he was like, it's not difficult. I have glasses. I'm Clark. I don't have glasses. I'm Superman. How stupid are you? Well, that's, <laughs> that, that, guy was from, that guy was from the future in that episode. And what's funny about consistently, even in Smallville and the, and the comic books, that's always been true is that, you know, in the 30th century is where all these weirdos come from. It's common knowledge that Superman was Clark Kent. There's like a, you know, there's like a Superman museum. <laughs> and they, they have Clark Kent, like a statue of Clark Kent in it and stuff like that. That's where the Legion of Superheroes and all those guys come from. 
What's funny about that particular episode was I liked that just because the guy who played that guy from the future in that episode used to be on Santa Barbara. He used to play my favorite character on that soap opera. <laughs> you have a favorite character on a soap opera? Man, I used to love Santa Barbara back in the day when I was a kid. Really? He used to come on at 3 o'clock, so I'd come home and watch Santa Barbara. And he played Mason Capwell. <laughs> well, I have to say I watched a little. Yeah, General that Hospital actor's name is Lane Davies, gentlemen. <laughs> I'd like to actually see him and stuff. I loved that guy. Lane Just to Davies. show you what a big nerd I am, you make a random reference to an episode of Lois and Clark. <laughs> and I know the soap opera actor who played the weirdo. Well, good for you. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> good to know you didn't waste your youth there. Yeah, really. Good, good to know you didn't waste your youth by chasing women. <laughs> of course, that was, yeah, I mean, you're talking about when I was like, what, 10? When Santa Barbara was out. All right, whatever. You got to defend yourself to me, Sean. You were chasing women at 10, Greg? Well, oh, I started chasing women at like six. Probably. He's probably still dating <laughs> his wife when he was 10. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> well, let's not let's not bring up anything that both of us will regret. <laughs> Say things we can't take back. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> fortunately, yeah, my wife doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> You've never said anything bad about her, apart from the fact that she's going to be the one who brings the plague home and kill everyone. Yeah, I just said that because she's a scientist, it's more likely. In a practical sense, I think she's a good one to know. But just if this were a story, she would be the one that would come home and bring the plague to you and you would die. And then eat Brooks. Yeah, you because you'd be the flesh eating. <laughs> I don't understand why everybody thinks I'm willing to eat Brooks. I really don't have no desire to eat Brooks. He would be the first person I'd go for if I went cannibal. No. Look, Brooks would make a perfectly good meal. Well, he has been taking better care of himself these days, so he's probably a little bit leaner meal than what he, you know. I don't know. I don't know what kind of person I would want to eat if I were going to eat people. That'd be difficult to say. Because well, people uh, are pretty gross. I don't know what it is. but <laughs> well, that's, uh, Apparently we taste like pork. <laughs> well, I have no idea. Maybe because people and pigs are both omnivorous. Anyway, I probably we probably better finish up because I've got to go to this meeting <laughs> at two o'clock. We always close. Uh, yeah. Whenever we start talking about cannibalism, that's always the time we close uh, the show. Yeah, that's I know. Like, <laughs> it's becoming the new outro to the show. And this well, is probably how to eat eating people. Let's go. Yeah, that is a good conversation killer. That's a good <laughs> rule of thumb. If people start talking about cannibalism, it's good time. I probably have a meeting or something to go to or whatever, you know. <laughs> I gotta have some lunch. I'm hungry. <laughs> Make me hungry. <laughs> well, yeah, Getting I keep, hungry, I keep forgetting over it's there the on middle. The couch. I keep forgetting it's the middle of the day for you. It's some, you know, middle of the night for us. Or yeah, like, it's you know, it's one thirty in the afternoon. Uh, well, it's uh nine yeah. twenty here, so yeah, about. we're blessed. We're, we're blessed to have Lynn because she just happens to have a day off. Well, we oh. could record. Yeah, I got a day off work. 
We will still do a Frankenstein episode at some point. I just didn't want to jump in. And, and <laughs> I'm sure we'll do it. Just, oh, we, just, yeah, we kind of sabotaged been, it. I would like to do one too. Well, I, uh, this as a, an opportunity came up at the last minute where, where Lynn was not working, so we hadn't planned. If we were planning to do a Frankenstein episode, then I wanted to do some more notes and sort of get my head in it anyway. Mm. But I'm not sure I – well, we, we, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the Frankenstein later. We blew it. We ruined Can't our start p- Frankenstein now, Sean. <laughs> right this second. Let's just... Three hours later. <laughs> but, but yeah, I well, saw the anyway, Gene Wilder young Frankenstein this weekend. We will get to the Frankenstein, I promise, and we'll try to do it justice because I do have some some notes, and I know that Lynn has some interesting insights. But mm-hmm. Greg has we... nothing. <laughs> yeah, really, Greg. I think it's important with Frankenstein to bring a woman's perspective in, since it was written by a woman. Well, and I think you brought you bring something to that in some of your ideas from from our previous discussions. So I think it'll be interesting. But but that's yeah. another reason I, I don't I don't want to do it halfway. I, I do think we we got a we got a Frankenstein episode in us. We got a real one. But in the meantime. You can check us out at the forum at forum.tv8mydinner.com. You can email us at feedback at tv8mydinner.com. You can always listen to episodes at tv8mydinner.com. Go to the forum. I just put up some pictures of Goswick Chapel, which is a, a supposedly haunted church that's um, quite close to my house that we're thinking about going and visiting as a Ghost Hunter episode. Oh, you must do that. And, and do you have the yes. video cameras? You must take your video cameras and bring us back something. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I want to see yes, something. Yes, I have video cameras. Yeah, I know everyone's putting in these cool pictures because they don't have video capability. That's cool. But I'd like to see some more video adventures. Is that on the adventure thread on the... Yes. So I'll have to go in there. It's in the adventures thread. I'll have to start, have to start posting start on that thread as well. Next adventure. I'm ready to go on that yeah. adventure again. Well, we will have a, a mini a, a mini expedition to my parents' attic, which is not a real adventure, but we should start planning a real another another good outing. Well, I think I think we're done. We'll come back later on. We do have the apocalypse coming up soon. That's already recorded. We do have the Georgia Guidestones video that will be up very soon. With any luck, it'll be up before this episode is up but I can't speak to that. And we will do our Frankenstein episode very soon, I promise. But in the meantime, my name is Sean. That's I'm, Greg. I'm Lynn. And that's Lynn. Well, I was letting the lady go first. I'm Greg. Whatever. Oh, God. Why can't we ever finish we'll a show without Brooks here? It's easy. <laughs> we just say our names. Because Brooks... Jeez. Well, sometimes we forget those things, Sean. It's difficult to remember who Uh, I am sometimes. Your name? (laughs) I say I'm Sean, and you just say I'm whatever your name is. (laughs) Aren't you Lobo McBadass? Isn't that the way it's supposed to go? I'm Lobo McBadass. Yeah, Lobo McBadass. Chance Dark Justice, and that's Maverick Lone Star. (laughs) I'm Witch Hazel, remember? Billabong, which hazel was it? Uh, no, what was it? Red cordial. Red cordial. <laughs> you you wanted that one, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Oh lord. Well, we'll be back. <laughs> we better go. All right. It gets worse. Take it easy, yeah, everybody. Just, just stop. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Just stop. <laughs>
I'm going to go have some lunch so I can get to this meeting at 2 o'clock. Talk to you guys later. <laughs> I don't think she has a meeting. Bye. <laughs>